becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Wrong think, right think, oh, group yeah. think, group think, something like that. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. All right. <clears throat> hello, 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 hello. Hello from the other side. <laughs> hello, side. Hmm. How you feeling? <clears throat> I feel like I need cheers. Let's cheers <laughs> to the shores. To the shores. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, Wednesday night, episode 60. Here we are. 60? Yeah. Daggum. I know. <laughs> That's badass. It is pretty badass. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was telling someone, uh, uh, well, I was on a podcast this earlier this week. And yeah. I was telling a, about a, a, a guest on another podcast. A guest, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> it was his first podcast, and it was really fun to, to do that with him. Um, I don't know what it's called yet. I think it's still in the works. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was really fun. Well, good for them for like kicking it off without those, you know, pesky, pesky encumbrances, like coming up with a name. And <laughs> <laughs> totally. But isn't that just the thing? Like sometimes you just need to, you just have to start something. Yeah. It's like you can sometimes overthink it and then you try to make it too perfect to start with mm-hmm. and, and then it never gets off the road. And right. <laughs> and then it's just an, an, an idea mm-hmm. that never becomes fully formed and can't become fully formed because it doesn't ever get its first step. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how we, we started. We're just like, Hey, let's just do this and yeah. we'll figure it out. See what happens. Yeah. Luckily we had your dad on. <clears throat> He's a really great first guest. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Brought us some class and wisdom. Uh huh. Yeah. Seriously. Like starting with him was such a great, was he the first guest? Mm-hmm. First. Oh no. Well, you and I did one together uh-huh. and just kind of talked about, or maybe two together that we just kind of talked about what we were going to do and yeah. stuff. But yeah, that's that's wild. Definitely. So <clears throat> wrong think, right think, group think, cold all the things. Think. Cold yeah. think. Yeah. All the things. Well, so we've been talking the last several episodes. I think we we had our thinking differently. Um we talked about mindsets. Mm-hmm. Um and something <clears throat> that you brought up was the idea of, of thinking wrongly about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how 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 do you even know it's wrong? You know, as far as like, yeah. um, like everybody else thinks a certain way, and so it would just seem like you're thinking incorrectly because everybody else is thinking differently. Because mm-hmm. we generally judge, maybe at at an unconscious level, the way that we're thinking against the way that everyone else is, mm-hmm. in in terms of whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's very clear in one sense. And we still haven't done this podcast. Michael goes crazy yet. So, <laughs> but when I was crazy and then coming back into sort of like what normal people, <laughs> you've just been teasing that history know, forever. Exactly. It's yeah. like episode 942. <clears throat> finally. <laughs> uh, well, maybe you could just give like a, a, a little bit of context about that. Um, yeah. So when I was in uh, college, uh, it was like 97, probably about 97, uh, got into a really bad situation. My roommate was in a car wreck, uh, comatose and, uh, kind of somewhat of a paraplegic. And then, um, yeah, I just went off the deep end, got into a bunch of drugs, Hmm. uh, kind of went crazy. Uh, I thought people could hear my thoughts 
and basically spiraled into a quit my job, uh, fell out of college, <laughs> I fell out of college, <laughs> the door opened and I fell out. You thought people could hear your thoughts. Yeah. I've never heard you say that before. No, I don't I, think so. No, I've, I've told you this story like a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, but it's always different. <laughs> You're always it's trying true. to decide which parts to tell me and which parts not. To. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, but, no, it's, it's one of those things. So like you have this running dialogue in your head and I thought everybody was privy to all the thoughts that were going on in my head. Hmm. And so like, <clears throat> like say like right now I'd be like, Oh Matt, your glasses look stupid in my head. I would think that you could, you know, actually could hear that. Hmm. And so I would feel bad because I know that you knew that. Hmm. And so, you know, but then you were being nice to me. So I'd be like, Oh, he's forgiving me. He's such a nice guy. So you're interacting with everyone as if they knew mm -hmm. everything that you were thinking. Yeah. All my inner dialogue. Hmm. And that's wild. It is. I mean, but the thing is, is like, but you create this whole, you create all these things around that idea that supports it. And so it, it seems completely normal. Mm -hmm. So, so again, like I said, like I would say your glasses are stupid, but you continue to be nice to me. I'm like, man, Matt's such a nice guy because even though I think his glasses are stupid, <laughs> you know, wait a second. Do you really think my glasses are stupid? <laughs> I don't. I, I try to pick some like, like a lot of times when I do those things. Like, I try to pick the most like absurd thing. You know, it's, I, well, it's really possible because these are new glasses. Are they really? Yeah. And I got these <laughs> octagonal frames and I have had some responses that people are like, oh, you went with those, did you? <laughs> really? Okay. So this, this, this is pretty my point right here sometimes i uh, quite a few times whenever i try to pick the most absurd thing that nobody could be like offended about <laughs> is the exact thing like I, these are actually brand new and i wasn't sure yeah right <laughs> or like when someone's hurt in the leg or like in their left calf muscle i you just pick that as a random thing and yeah. they're like i actually have a spasming left calf muscle exactly i don't know i think i just yeah. have like a, a sixth sense there or something like that yeah. that's funny <laughs> it really is well so when you came out of that mm -hmm. i have heard you say that you you sort of realized that you were thinking all wrong about everything yeah totally what was that experience like to sort of awake awaken to that uh, it was a process of about two years. Um, if you, if anybody's ever seen the beautiful mind, it is such a great, um, movie on mental illness in general. Hmm. Uh, he had schizophrenic, uh, paranoid schizophrenia. Um, mine was paranoid delusional. Um, but the thing is it's, it's all very similar in concept. Um, uh, as far as like how you kind of create these worlds and you start to everything you start everything that happens to you or around you, you integrate into your world and it becomes like a logic unto yourself. So it's a very logical world. Um, I mean, isn't that, don't we all kind of do that mm -hmm. anyway? Yeah. Like this isn't a feature of paranoid delusional. No. And, and that, I think that's what the most amazing thing to me was, was, was as, as I sort of got to kind of normalize into every, everybody else's normal, hmm. uh, I started to like, see like how even, even that is a sort of delusion in some senses. Normalcy. Mm -hmm. Like what you, what is acceptable. So, I mean, some of it's healthy and good. So you have these sort of parameters that you set up in society, um, to help people sort of interact, <clears throat> you know? So there's these, um, uh, uh, what do you call them? Cultural norms or 
niceties that kind of give us a, a step board or something to engage with. And so they're, they're very helpful, you know, but at the same time, we do accept a lot of things that are, I mean, kind of wild and weird. I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly, it's like one thing is like, we're these conscious beings who talk to each other and interact with each (laughs) other. And I mean, it's, it's a complete trip. Like, what are we doing? You know, it, it, it just completely baffles me. So yeah, it is pretty wild. It is pretty wild. Well, it's wild to think about how the cultural norms or sort of ethics of our culture, mm-hmm. any, like you said, they give us that, that sort of stepping point. They enable us to interact with the world. I mean, mm-hmm. as we've been talking about these concepts of order and chaos, like the world, you know, we keep coming back to this idea that there's so much in the world that you can't possibly look at it all or consume it all. Mm-hmm. And so when you're interacting with, within a, a social setting, it's like you need people to behave in predictable mm-hmm. ways so that the input isn't so much that you just short circuit and you can't deal with it at all. Yeah. <clears throat> but not so predictably that it's completely boring. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be surprised. Totally. And there's a fascinating thing too here is like, there's also, we start to run a run up into these sort of truths that are very difficult to deal with. Like one is like, if, if everybody was dishonest to each other, it's like you would have no grounds to interact with other people because everybody's trying to get something from you. So even if like even if you have a group of thieves, there's a sort of like inherently inside that group, there's a sort of honesty and integrity yeah, and, and these point. kind of things. Um, they have be- their own codes that they, they live by. Exactly. Because yeah. if they didn't, they would just disintegrate. I mean, the Joker is a perfect example of that. You know, he, he had no code. Mm-hmm. And the people that worked with him thought he had a code of some sort. And then when you realize, when they see and realize that he doesn't have a code, it scares the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. And they're the scary ones, you yeah, know? Right. So it's, it's fascinating that within all those things, you do see certain truths or, uh, axioms that come up that, you know, you have to deal with, you have to deal with that. It's like, there has to be good faith in, in argument or in relationships. You have to extend good faith to the other person, which kind of means that you have to have, um, a mode of thinking that's considered the acceptable mode of thinking. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Um, well, if we're not thinking somewhat similarly about things in the world around us, it's going to be very hard for us to interact in any trust based way. Mm -hmm. Um, because, so I'm thinking about concepts like wrong think mm-hmm. and cult think. Yeah. Um, it's like those are this idea of we're all going to think the same way, which is something that gives us predictability and um, structure and safety, mm-hmm. but taken to the extreme at which we say our thinking is defined by being not mm. the wrong way to think. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what the cult is. You are safe within these walls and anything out else outside these walls or the walls of the cult community becomes uh, anti you mm-hmm. and it's, and it's an attack on you. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many of those, <clears throat> so many examples of that too. Like even, even our evolution, as far as like how we interact with each other on a, you know, global scale, but then even t- down the tribes and stuff like that, like, you know, the people in the next town, 
there was such a different, like they might worship different gods or have a completely different, uh, um, framework for their, you know, reality. Mm -hmm. You kind of war against those people because you have, (laughs) because you guys disagree on some basic found fundamental aspects of, you know, reality. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I think in maps of meaning, Peterson talks about that when you have two adjacent groups of people who have different sort of ways of thinking or codes of ethics or beliefs, you know, there's really only like two options for things that can happen when those two groups come into contact with each Mm. other because they're, they're, well, he sort of makes this, the, the, the case that value systems are what define actual perception in the world. Mm. So if you have two different groups with two different value systems and you can call those value systems beliefs or modes of thinking or whatever you like, um, and they come into contact with each other, they perceive the world completely differently Mm -hmm. and they perceive each other completely differently. And it's going to either come to combat or some sort of assimilation of ideas that the ideas war between one another Mm -hmm. and the sort of victory becomes an evolution of the combined assimilated ideas. Mm. So it's either physical combat or, or the evolution of ideas. Wow. Yeah, if you don't allow the evolution of ideas, then it almost inherently leads mm-hmm. to physical co- violence. Yes, I, I think predictably. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, there's been terms over the last year, or maybe since Trump came into office, you know, we've been hearing the term fascist a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, And I have more recently been thinking a lot more about sort of like some of the things that have happened in the last the last century, really the the 20th century, like what happened in Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia or Mao's China um, are the sort of like three big ones responsible for Mm -hmm. hundreds of millions of yeah Cambodia I think is another one Cambodia is a big one one, yeah Um, you know but like how did that happen. how did that happen? Mm-hmm. They, you know, we have the hindsight 2020 to be able to so easily say that's so obviously atrocious and mm-hmm. obviously evil. Yeah. Yet whole communities committed these crimes. These were not crimes by uh, Hitler and Stalin and Mao. Mm-hmm. These were crimes by whole communities that supported them. Yeah. How? How was everyone so wrong? And I just keep, I keep coming back to the idea that I, and, and now as we're, I think as this like fascist idea has kind of come, been coming back and more authoritarian, um, more authoritarianism seems to be taking shape mm-hmm. in our society in I think ways that are maybe expected and unexpected at the same time, or maybe surprising because they're sort of new. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really dovetails with this idea of like, what is your mode of thinking and what do you consider wrong think? Mm -hmm. And then how do you combat that? Because I I have the sense that the people like, let's just take the Germans, for example. um, They had to have at some level thought that they were doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that you have an entire society that just goes evil. They go evil without realizing that they're evil Mm -hmm. and they have to sort of awaken 
to, oh, I'm thinking wrong about this. Yeah. They don't, I, I think at some level you ha- they have to think that they're not thinking wrongly and then awaken to that. So how do you, how do you know when you're thinking wrong about something and when you, everyone around you is, because if everyone around you is thinking the same way as you, it's so difficult to know whether or not your thinking is wrong because it, it doesn't get put up against other ideas to be tested. Yeah, I guess even, you know, if you take the postmodern thought too, it's like, you know, what is wrong? I think that is, I think there's also a lot of that aspect that's today where we're, we're kind of a lot of these ideas in the seventies and sixties that have never really taken a lot of heavy or a, a hard stance into our cultures are now starting to be more prevalent than they were where there's, it was more like, um, you know, uh, what's not mainstream, uh, on the fringes. Yeah. And now it's becoming more mainstream and people have not had to deal with those ideas before. Um, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds really nice. Some of it does. It's like, Oh, your truth, my truth. Uh, you know, Oh, well, it's true for you, but it's not true for me. You know, it's, there's a, there's a sort of like very obtuse and, um, ethereal sort of like idea of what truth is. And, and if you come down to it, it's like, there is no real truth. It's like truth is power, uh, language, uh, power structures and language. And whoever has the, the power, oh, I might get this all wrong. You probably got this better than me, <laughs> but whoever has that, the, the, uh, whoever has command of the of the language and can dictate that they can, they determine what truth is. Well, this is this is what postmodernism <clears throat> says, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I'm still trying to wrap my head around mm-hmm. the way that they juggle those concepts. It's 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 illogical and unreasonable in my estimation. Yeah, we we covered in one of our podcasts. I think a little bit. I don't think I was prepared to talk about yeah, that tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> well, that's a good question. What is wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it definitely seems like any sort of ideas that lead to the deaths of a hundred million citizens. Mm-hmm. Well, that seems wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not going to function for your society. This isn't even societies at war with other societies. This is just societies killing their own. There's definitely some wrong thinking going on there. Well, it's interesting. Cause I, I boil down to like certain axioms and I believe those axioms are, you know, foundational and true uh, you know, uh, I think one, I think is really a great axiom is, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. I think that is just a really, and who is my neighbor is the question. <clears throat> and the answer to that question is everyone's your neighbor. And so how do you extend that to your neighbor? Hmm. And so, but once you start to, I, I believe you go wrong whenever you start to distinguish who is not your neighbor. And hmm. whether it be, you know, skin color, religion, uh, occupation, political affiliation, political affiliation, wealth. I mean, once you start making those distinctions, yeah. I think you start breaking away from that idea of who your neighbor is. Hmm. And not the, and, and again, this is to distinguish too, is like if someone is abusing you or, you know, there's a certain amount of protection that you and, and boundaries you need to build between in those situations. But, um, it has to be within the realm of, they are still my neighbor 
and I need to do this to protect myself and, it, and not to harm them, you know? <laughs> it seems like you're just describing this is what our, this is what America was founded on, right? Yeah. Like individual rights, <clears throat> mm-hmm. equal individual rights. Yeah. Like I don't have to like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't have to agree with you. Yeah. But I will treat you as being just as sovereign as I am, mm-hmm. despite that. You're my, my, in that sense, you're my countryman, mm-hmm. my yeah. neighbor. My equal as, as equal foundation, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I saw some some talk on Twitter about that this week. Uh, I think Eric Weinstein had put something out there about, um, you know, uh, I think it was in the uh, in the Constitution, like uh, being endowed and created, and oh shit, we have people. I'm not going to get that right, <laughs> but there's this sort of like this idea that you know, however you want to take this and he kind of makes this point too you can maybe take this in a lot of different ways but that we are created and that we are equal before that creator whether you want to call that the universe or um something that ties us our humanity that ties us all together Mm -hmm. you know Um, but if we start losing that axiom then a lot falls apart right that connectedness I don't even think you, I don't think we can know how much falls apart when you lose that Mm -hmm. foundation. Well, I see it now. I mean, just like with, you know, you know, uh, you know, Republican and Democrat or, you know, ideologies and stuff like that. Just, I feel like a lot of people say some really mean shit to people that Mm -hmm. I'm just like, man, and I'm all about a good, healthy, you know, riled up conversation you know there's nothing wrong with that but there's just some it's there's a point where we've kind of stepped across the line where it actually has become hateful yeah there's been a lot of i'm seeing it mostly from the left towards trump supporters Mm -hmm. a lot of hate and castigation a lot of us versus them and they're responsible for everything wrong Mm -hmm. they need to be you know i'm even hearing words like Mm re-educated um they need to be, um, they need to be whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing this and I'm thinking there's not, this is not much of a difference from what I imagine people would have said about Jews in Nazi Germany. Hmm. They're the problem. They need to be X. And once you start talking about a group of people in those sorts of terms, mm-hmm. X you know, maybe, maybe it starts with, um, they need to be brought back into the fold. Then it's, they need to be reeducated. Then it's, they need to be, uh, taxed for the problems that they've caused. They need, you know, before you get to something like genocide, not to (laughs) insinuate that that's where we're going. Mm -hmm. But the, the, I think the interesting question in my mind is like, once you start thinking about it that way, what makes you so sure that you're on the right side of this story? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the people who said that about the Jews clearly were in the wrong on the wrong side of that story. Yeah. But I think at the time they didn't see it that way. It was logical. It made sense. They 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 believed something that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And their response to that was horrific. So. You know, it scares me. 
to see <clears throat> to see anyone talking about half of the country mm-hmm. in terms like that. Yeah, it's so funny. As you're saying that, I just want to push back against that. Why? Uh, not that I don't. Not that I disagree with <clears throat> you, but. Um, I guess maybe going into like our role playing, <laughs> you know, that's how we do that. Um, no, I mean, because there is a, there, there is a feeling that one set or group of people has the wrong or bad ideas and they should not be heard or publicized or platformed. Mm-hmm. And, but this is exactly what's so dangerous about it. Mm-hmm. Once you've determined that one side has the wrong set of ideas mm-hmm. and then demonstrated that those ideas can be dangerous, you now have moral license to strip those people of their rights mm-hmm. and maybe their lives. Yeah. And this is not... Like, we've played this out a couple of times. Humanity has. It doesn't go good places. There aren't positive examples of this kind of thinking. I mean, the Spanish Inquisition is another example. Mm-hmm. You, you're thinking wrongly about Christianity, and we are morally justified to burn you at the stake, and everyone in the community will gather around in a party to watch. Yeah. Because we are removing the world of a danger. And they didn't, they clearly didn't think that they were doing wrong. They thought that they were doing right. Mm -hmm. And this is, it, it occurs to me that the, the most evil of evil is the evil, which thinks that it's right. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a group, whether that's an American or a Democrat or a Republican or a white person or a black person, Hispanic person, whatever the group, you know, there's, there's so many arbitrary ways that you can assign yourself to a group. If you're in some sort of group and you start noticing this sort of, this sort of thinking happening, how do you pull back from that? But aren't you at that, at that point also somehow determining that you have the right thinking? Yes. And so what makes that different from, uh, somebody uh, just for in this example on the left thinks that, uh, all Republicans are deplorables or, uh, racist or whatever word you want to put on them. Mm -hmm. Um, what makes, and they think they're right. mm -hmm, They think they're right. And it's like, it's like, no, this this would make a better, this would make a better and, uh, equitable place if, if they could, change the way that they're thinking. And if they can't change the way they're thinking, then they should be, um, there should be some sort of consequence of that. Like children, if your children are out of line, then, you know, it's like you, you need to, uh, ground them or provide some sort of consequences for wrong think if they're being unruly. Well, I saw some article about this, like, that Republicans or Trump supporters, children's children's <laughs> said it twice. Children should be taken from them. You saw what? It was a, I, I can't remember the reference now. I'll have to find it. Oh, yeah, talk to find that. Um, well, this is the thing. What makes you so sure that you're right? 
so sure mm-hmm. that you are willing to take the rights away from someone else? Well, there's some things that we have, we have determined as a society. Like if you murder somebody, mm-hmm. not self-defense, <clears throat> but murder somebody, yes. then your rights should be taken from you for but a period this, of time or for forever. But we're talking about making a judgment on a group of people, not on an individual. Mm-hmm. And even when it, in the case of murder, that person is innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. And the, the bar to prove guilt is high. Mm-hmm. So that's our safeguard True. against that. Mm-hmm. We don't really have, I mean, our safeguard against this other sort of group, um, Group guilt, mm-hmm. guilt by group association, <clears throat> was the idea that the individual was sovereign, yeah. created equal. Mm-hmm. And that has become undermined as of late in order, in order to judge people based upon their group. Yeah, I guess I'm just kind of going through all the arguments that I've heard kind of against that too it's like you know yes everyone has free speech but there's also consequences to your speech so if you're going to say something that other people don't agree with mm-hmm. and they <clears throat> deplatform you or ostracize you uh it's not that you don't have free speech it's just that we're also practicing our right to not give you the platform or well so if we go back to the the thing we were talking about that I was talking about from Peterson, you know, when you have two different groups of people who come in contact with each other, who have a different value system, Mm. they either are going to combat physically or Mm. their ideas are going to combat. The only way for their ideas to combat is for there to be some freedom of speech for that, those ideas to have it out. Mm -hmm. And if the ideas can't have it out, then it will be physical combat. Hmm. If you have any hope of living adjacent to each other. Yeah. So, I think that I understand the argument of ideas have consequences. And so we are justified in deplatforming or ostracizing from community. Um, Like that sort of makes sense in a, in a um, vacuum Mm -hmm. as an abstracted idea. But what happens after that then? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about members of our own society here. Mm -hmm. They're still going to live here. You know, mm-hmm. so what then <clears throat> so you're now you're at the level of physical violence. This is where you've pushed the conversation. Mm-hmm. This is where you've pushed the interaction, the, the necessary interaction of just simply living adjacent to people who see things differently. So which is interesting. Like you did see that with like Cuomo and uh, um, even uh, Kamala Harris too. vice president. Kamala Harris is like they they use that same rhetoric when uh, talking about the BLM and, and some of the riots that happened, uh, you know, adjacent to that too, you know, it's sort of like, it's like, you know, people that are being unheard. So they act out in violence. Mm-hmm. Then they get, that's just the narrative that they were, they Violent, were promoting. Violence is the voice of the unheard. Mm-hmm, exactly. But that's cherry seems, picked MLK quote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It's very cherry picked. Uh, but again, it's, it, 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 they can apply it to their own, side of the party, you know, but they, but it's not applied to the right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's more, again, what happened January 6th is not a great thing and shouldn't have happened, but, um, but it, insurrectionist or something like that would be applied to that situation rather than the quote 
of Martin Luther King's, you know? Uh, so I think there's like, there's kind of, uh, that's the thing that's really disturbing is that we're not being consistent in our language and what we, uh, how we judge each other. Well, there's, there's no need for consistency once you've insulated yourself inside of a group and labeled anyone outside of the group as the source of all ills. Mm-hmm. You don't need, you, there's no long consistency would be immoral half, at that point. Mm-hmm. Consistency would be immoral. Con, yeah. Consistency oh, well. in thinking would be yeah. immoral. Yeah. Damn dude. Because if you apply the same principle regardless of direction, mm-hmm. then you are essentially allowing sin into the, into the group yeah. and, and dangerous insurrectionists into your own group. And, and you can't do that. You can't allow the principle to operate the opposite direction. It's interesting. It's almost like the left right now is the religious right of the eighties. <clears throat> you know, like there was like, there was, there was no room for exploration. You know, it's like you had to fit the, you know, more fundamentalist Christian Mm -hmm. viewpoint. And again, I'm I'm completely like, uh, obviously, um, overgeneralizing, but from what I understood, I grew up in the eighties, but I didn't have a huge, uh, I wasn't a big person (laughs) during that time, but that was my understanding of that time period. And now I need to go back and look at it. But, but it does remind me from what I understood of the Republicans, right? They sound a lot more the religious right. The religious right sounds like <clears throat> the the left of today. Not liberals. I don't think not you have to overly generalize to make that observation. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 sort of woke left has become very religious in the way that they engage issues in the world. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I want to make a distinction and say that the say the woke left is not all of the left. Mm-mm. I don't even think it's the majority of the left. Mm-mm. So it's hard when you start trying to make these distinctions, like, you know, there's uh, the liberal left and the conservative right. And then you have the alt right and the, and yeah. the, and the Uber <clears throat> left, you know, it's like, I, it's, I'm not even really all that interested in trying to figure out what's what yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am worried about the woke left more than I'm worried about any other sect of the, the political spectrum right now because they are engaging in this, in this group guilt mm. style thinking. And I think that the outcome of that, th- there is no positive outcome of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they are right. Let's say, mm-hmm. I think that the way that people work and the world works is that if you're right and you impose being right by silencing people, removing free speech, putting barriers in place, like I said earlier, I think you move the conflict to the physical. Yeah. And that, that's when things, you know, that's when the gasoline gets poured on the fire. And that's when, if you think you're right in having done all of this mm-hmm. and things get violent, then you're definitely going to think that you are right in yeah. murdering people. That's what I was thinking. Like as you were saying that, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like as you remove people's ability to express themselves in the commons, you know, or yeah. through their representatives, like there was even kind of a, a call to get rid of, you know, quite a few GOP or Republicans, mm-hmm. you know, because of the uh, insurrection January 6th thing. Um, 
you know, if you don't, if you don't allow this, this other half of the United States to have a voice and to express it, it's like you do push that into more of a violent or physical area. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, see, look, they are violent. They are, you know, it's like, um, right. So there is that part too. Did you hear that? Um, Biden by executive order. I don't know if it was executive order. He's like 52 of them right now. (laughs) Yeah. He, um, Asked for the resignation of every U.S. attorney appointed during the Trump administration. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. I don't know what the precedent is for that, like if other presidents have done that. But that even sort of fits into this idea. I mean, there's clearly people who feel unheard. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever it was that we saw happen January 6th, that was a part of it. Whatever it is. so much. That's... I don't, it didn't seem like it was that actually many people that were part of that. I don't, I, that, I, that I can't whole, grab that. It no, doesn't make sense to me. That whole spectacle was so many contradictory things. that I almost don't want to even use it as an example. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone has a good idea what that was. Yeah. Um, but I'll just say that there, there certainly is an element. I mean, anytime you have a protest, there's an element of it, which is we have been unheard. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as there's an element of it there, there's an element of it in the BLM protests and the riots that predictably ensued every night in Mm -hmm. some cities. Um, and if you've got these populations feeling unheard, and if you can largely generalize that there is some unheard on the right and you go strip the courts of anyone seen to represent the right, does that not exasperate the problem? Mm. And maybe that's the goal. I mean, it does seem like, you know, look, Trump was so bad mm-hmm. and everything that he caused was so bad. I think mean, this is why he's doing all the executive orders, right? Yeah. I have to undo everything he did without pause or question. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these were judges appointed under Trump doesn't mean that Trump handpicked them. They were all Senate confirmed. Like mm-hmm. our government put them there. Yeah. And just to say Trump's name was on it, get rid of it. Um, well, it is uh, very widely casting judgment on one whole half of the country. It's casting a moral judgment. It's saying anything touching this is immoral and bad and must be removed immediately. Well, I think that's the hard thing is that you're seeing a narrative that's very conflicting. And at any time that you start encountering this over and over again, it can be very disorienting. Like there's this, like I keep hearing this word unity. um, But then also there's a lot of us versus them. And, and that's, it's like, it's like your actions have to demonstrate unity and, and, and somehow attempt to bring groups together. Like I think this whole Trump um, um, impeachment thing, is just like, guys, let's get over this. Let's just be over this. Let's be done with this. And we can you know, like somehow like move forward and, and maybe have a semblance of like togetherness. But I feel like it, we're just, we're just picking we're picking all these moments to actually create more divide. And so I I think that's been the frustrating thing is 
again, we've talked about this many times, like our sense-making apparatuses are just failing us as our leaders, as mm-hmm. well as our, our, our media. <coughs> well, that's what's part. interesting is like that, you know, the responses to, Hey, you know, we should probably move past this into something like unity. Yeah. The response to that from like AOC, for example, has been like, would you ask a victim of rape to get over it and move on? Hmm. And it's that sort of move. Hyperbole. It's that sort of move that equates an individual experience with an individual perpetrator mm-hmm. against a whole group of people. Mm-hmm. And clearly, rape is like the worst of things. Yeah. And you would never ask a person to get over it or move on. Mm-hmm. But when you are equating that with an entire group of people, you're you're stripping every single one of those people inside of that group of their individual agency and ability to be guilty or not guilty of whatever it is that's happened or some degree thereof or some degree thereof. Mm -hmm. Sure. But if you, if you start thinking or start responding to a whole group of people the way that you would respond to something in, that you have experienced individually in your life, that moral move is what in, in, ends up equating something like the death penalty is justified in some situations. You can start equating that with re-education camps for whole groups of people and some of those are just going to have to die because there's just too many of them is okay in some situations. Or irredeemable. And, yeah. You know, it's just so hard. I mean, it, it, the crazy thing is, is like, like the, what you're saying, the rhetoric is true and that is happening. I just can't take them seriously. You know, like that whole re-education camp or, or, you know, you know, this whole other group of people needs to like, has it completely wrong. It's, it's, it just sounds so childish to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, <clears throat> but I always well, have a huge, I always have a red flag when someone says like, everyone is like this. Right, right. <laughs> All people think this. Well, and that's, that's what I'm, <clears throat> I think that's what I'm saying is like, mm-hmm. there's, I think there's a huge red, red flag that we need to be responding to here because mm-hmm. there is, there are people talking like this. But I think there's a, there's some cool things happening now that Trump is not the uh, target for everyone. Is like people like Bill Maher, who has who has kind of been a, a, a rational asp- uh, aspect. I do like him. I do like him too. Uh, aspect to I mean, he had uh, uh, Brett and Heather on uh, his show a couple. Uh, like, I think last week, and uh, you know, I feel like he's kind of. A, Saying, "Hey guys, <laughs> we do have to live with yeah. this other side." <laughs> you know, let's let's kind of tone it down a little bit. So, didn't, I think th- didn't he get uh, kind of some some backlash from some mm-hmm. of the things he said recently, though, from the left? Yeah, he has, which is which is fascinating because <clears throat> there's probably not very many people that are as left as Bill Maher, right? But he's also like still a rational <laughs> human being that's like, Hey, well, know, but that's going to get play him, nice. That's going to get him accused of wrong think. And well, that, I think yeah. that's the point you've been making and like how it's not the comments you're making are not about, uh, Democrats in general. No, it's that there's all. this, there's this, there's this sort of thinking that's happening. And, and, 
it's actually a very small percentage of people, but it's it's getting the most um, the most uh, airplay or the um, getting elevated the most, mm-hmm. you know, or it right. does seem that way in many ways. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. Honestly, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. But I mean, I think again, Eric and Brett. There's a lot. Oh, there's so many people on the left. Sam Harris, even though he kind of. He kind of went off the deep end a little bit, but <laughs> but the, that are like kind of like more of that reasonable left, you know. It's like and uh, yes, yeah, as, as I see on the right, there's a, there's people that are very reasonable on the right too. Yeah, and then again to make the distinction, like I'm not talking about the left. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the woke left, mm-hmm. and that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking about the Ibram Kendi, and he's talking about his child. <laughs> I don't know if you want to get that. Oh, I don't. I don't think <laughs> no, I can get into that. I don't yeah. know enough about it. Uh, <laughs> I was shocked, though. Yeah, yeah. He was transphobic, right? Well, uh, if if anybody else would have said that, they but no one really responded that way. Did they? they can't really to him. He's a he's a high priest of yeah of intersection critical wokeness critical wokeness. There yeah. You go. <laughs> um. Well, I think the thing that I'm taking away from this conversation is that, um, like freedom of speech is really important Mm -hmm. and it's dangerous. Absolutely. But maybe it's dangerous in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. And the alternative is dangerous in the worst possible way. Yes. Um, you know, in some sense, moving forward, and as we've been talking about thinking differently and mindsets and, and moving forward requires growth and growth requires change and change requires the way that we see things and the way that we experience things to be challenged. Mm-hmm. And that is dangerous. And so encountering different ideas has danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but the solution can't be to make sure that you don't encounter different dangerous ideas at least not not if we want a peaceful society. Yeah. And you can't demand that people have different don't have different ideas. I mean people are just idea machines. Like mm-hmm. I've always been so fascinated if 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 uh <clears throat> you know if anybody ever asks me, "Hey, what are you thinking about?" and if I have a second to honestly think about the answer to that question, I was probably thinking about 35 different things, you know, some in the thread that connects, you know, in the space of a second and the thread that connects them all, you know, when somebody asks you, what are you thinking about? It's like almost impossible, but sometimes you're like, Oh, I was thinking about, Oh, and then this and this and this and this is like, Mm -hmm. and, and if you were to honestly say what you were thinking about, you're probably going to say out loud some things that you really don't want to say out loud Mm -hmm. because your mind just goes all over the place. Yeah. You know, um, and you might be thinking it, it's not that you should agree or disagree with it, but you were thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you think things that you disagree with all the time. That's how you know you disagree with them. Uh (laughs) So if you, if you don't allow people to think, Mm -hmm. and I think speaking is part of thinking. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's at least like the next level of filtration to where you actually work out what you really think about things. I mean, sometimes you might be working something over in your head and then you say it out loud and you're like, oh, that didn't feel good. You know, mm-hmm. that I think differently about that now that I said it out loud. And yeah. um, if you if you cripple that process, I just think that the ramifications of that are going to be really, really terrible for people. 
And then what do people do when they're in terrible circumstances and situations and they're unhealthy because they can't figure out what they think about things. There's no space to do that. I mean, this is when things get bad and when things get ugly. So I think people need, people need a safe, no, let me walk that back. It's not about safety. Mm-hmm. People just need I don't know. Maybe you could pick that up. I just say well, the importance I, of, of whatever this concept of free speech that we're talking about well, is. I, I think, think there's it's one aspect is, is it's definitely like when you said safe, I understood what you were saying, but yeah. it's not in maybe the same way that, um, well, the safe damn has woke has like co-opted every single yeah. word and re redefined it. Cause a safe place is a safe place that you can be dangerous. You know, it's like where yes. like you take your kids not, to a place, not a place that you're protected. Mm hmm. That you can actually like hurt yourself, but you're hurting yourself in a place that, okay, hey, you know what? The hospital's right here. I can go take you to the hospital right now and get it set. You know, it's like, <laughs> get it it's set. Like you're, yeah, totally. Sounds like you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll see lots of stitches. <laughs> um, but it is important to, I, I was just thinking like, like what you would, what we would recommend for people to do. And I think that is to find somebody around you that you can talk to and say things that are not right or, you know, that are wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Or ask questions out loud mm-hmm. that the dominant narrative of those around you has already definitively answered and then called off limits and said, you're not allowed to ask this question anymore. Mm-hmm. Even asking the question is, you know, insert racist, homophobic, fascist, transphobic, whatever it is that, you know, the question might get you accused of. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I'd probably tell you to find new friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if anything that you bring up and there's some sort of like, was it epitaph or epitaph? I can't say it. Epithet. Yeah. That is thrown at you. It's like, I would just question like, mm. uh, that friendship in general, yeah. because, yeah. you know, a friend is somebody who can listen to you and ask you good questions and to even repeat back to you what you have just said, maybe in their own words, um, and disagree with you too. I mean, uh, there's, I think that's the part is, uh, a good friend you can disagree with. And mm-hmm. that's, that's really, uh, helpful. Um, but I think like you were saying, like just being able to ask, ask questions. This, uh, story came to my mind, um, about safety. This is a, a number of years ago. I was doing a lot of research into, uh, um, child children's psychological development and um ended up reading this whole article about playgrounds because mm-hmm. you you were talking about playgrounds and yeah. when we were kids you know a playground was like a rusty slide that was a thousand <laughs> degrees and then it's 30 feet off the floor the yeah right and, and then you know i don't know a swing on mm-hmm. over a concrete slab or a uh what's the, the merry-go-round thing that you know everybody just gets thrown oh up. yeah yeah uh-huh. You know, playgrounds these days are wildly more fun, but they're also much more safe. You know, there's mm-hmm. no exposed metal. Everything's plastic covered in rubber. And um, it was, this article was talking about how when the concept of a playground was first sort of come across, I can't remember where it was that they were talking about. It seemed like it was in another country. Um, but they were basically like, we just need some place for these kids to go play. So they just got this like lot of land and they filled it with like lumber and hammers and nails and saws and like mm. put a puddle in there. And like, they were just like, that'll keep them occupied, you know? 
<laughs> um, and I guess somebody went back and did a study and said that this was like one of the best things for these kids mm. because they got hurt. Mm-hmm. They were figured out how to be in a dangerous situation with other people who are also vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to be creative and productive and make things. Um, they were able to watch those things do damage or fall apart or succeed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and we've removed from ourselves, I think, and our children too, much of the opportunity to do things like that. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely need to to be able to encounter danger in our early years, and in, mm-hmm. in, in a safe, in, you know, in a safe way. But that's, but also like, it also needs to be kind of tested, <laughs> yeah. you know. Because yeah, I remember like you know being out riding my bike and I fell over and scratched myself up. You know, well I had to pick myself up and get on my bike and ride home as far as what that was. You know? The ride home after a bad skin <laughs> knee was always the worst because it's always <laughs> sore. And then that skin, as your, knee is, <laughs> as your knee is flexing, that skin is stretching and it's just like hurting uh, more and more. Yeah. 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 But we do need to experience those things. Mm-hmm. And even as adults, like I think we even somewhat in, insulate ourselves from that too. You know, it's like we kind of start to like, settle into our ways and not expand like Mm. children do naturally. And so I think as adults, two of us will like, uh, some stunted our children's growth in that area Mm. with the over idea of safety. Yeah. I I like the idea of, of safe to be dangerous, safe to be dangerous. Yeah. What is the, uh, the quote from, um, lion, which in the wardrobe, about Aslan. Oh, yeah. And the, the kid asks, is he safe? Safe, yeah. What's the response? Uh, is oh, he safe? Absolutely not, dear. But he's good. But he's good. That's right, yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, let's, let's circle back. Uh, wrong think, right think. How do we sum that up for... Um, we've kind of gone over wrong, wrong think, right think, group think. I mm-hmm. think it was kind of how we started. Yeah. I think maybe we've done it. I think so too. I, I, I think one thing that I'm still a little bit, and this is something that has always bothered me. And there's something that's very good and healthy about that. I think is, or that I've, I've, I've experienced in my life is, is having wrong think. And so, um, so I think I'm very sensitive to that, that idea, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so I think I, again, coming back to some basic axioms as far as like, how do we know that we're, um, in wrong think? Mm -hmm. And I think one thing is isolation, Mm -hmm. isolation from your neighbor and your neighbor's not the person or just the person who thinks like you uh, or is the same color skin as you or is the same religious background as you. So I think, I think that's one thing that can also lead to wrong think is that if you are isolated from someone from a different perspective or social economic, um, and not that you have to be like in all those, in every group, you know, it's like, uh, but if, if any of those groups, you know, in your heart or in your mind or whatever, 
there is something that you see all of those people of that, whatever X group as a certain way, like that right there is a red flag for wrong think. Yeah. Like all rich people are like this. All white people are like this. All black people are like the, you know, it's like that right there is a, is a red flag for me for wrong think. Um, I think something that right think is, is like, I find that some people in this group are like this. Like, I think you can make generalizations about groups and say, I think some people in that, in, in that group are like this. So you would say that's a right way of thinking as opposed to a wrong way of thinking. I would say that that's a safer way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause at least in that way of thinking, you can be proven wrong by the exceptions. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe it's actually very few people in that group are like that. Yeah. I think I'm getting a bit mixed up because I think wrong think is generally applied to other people. Hmm. No one really applies wrong uh, think to themselves. See, I apply it to myself. You, you accuse <laughs> someone else of wrong think. That's true. They're thinking That's wrongly because they don't think like I am or they're coming up with different conclusions. Mm-hmm. I don't think right think is even a thing. I think we just made it up. We did. We just, <laughs> <laughs> right think, wrong think. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that is, I would say, a, a more of a right way of thinking would be to make observations and then not make assumptions about groups of people or other people because you can make intersecting observations about them to your original observation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe just don't play the intersectional thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be good too. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. We're also complex and complicated. Um, yeah, so the third one, groupthink. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, maybe we can keep revisiting this and, and, and figuring out if we, we agree with this and we think we're right about this, but there's an aspect of group thinking which is necessary mm-hmm. to a productive life or uh, a life that's not, let's say, so chaotic that it's miserable. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but if you let your assumptions about the validity of group think go on too long enough. You might find yourself in a position where you thought you were right and good. And what you were doing is really wrong and Mm -hmm. evil. So you kind of have to keep testing the assumptions of the group think. And the benefit is that because you can think similarly to those around you and, and rely on that and trust that you don't have to test those Every second, mm-hmm. you know, you can test them once a week or once a month, Yeah, but test them, you know, question them. I don't know why you make me think of like basketball, <clears throat> like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're on a basketball team, there's sort of like, uh, there's a group think, you know, that's really good and healthy. Like our team is the best, you know, uh, and also just the way you play with each other that you understand and know where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that there's a, something that's different in that group think um, that a healthy competitive environment there's also a respect for the other team you know even though you might uh, want to win and you think you're the best you know it's like at the end of the at the end of the game you shake their hands and say good game mm-hmm. 
and there's a sort of like uh, 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 camaraderie, camaraderie yeah. between in the competitiveness. And so I would like to see that even among oh, Democrats and Republicans is like, hey, you know what? You won this one. That was a good. That was a good fight. Right. You know. Yeah, because like if you don't, if you're a basketball team and you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Other teams just stop wanting to play with you, and then you don't have games to play anymore. Mm-hmm. So, what's the result of that sort of behavior towards other groups in our society? <laughs> totally. Stop wanting to have the conversations. Oh, totally. And then what? Well, I even find my. I'm. I'm. I love talking with everybody, and I even find myself in some instances not wanting to talk to certain <laughs> groups of people just mm-hmm. because, like, I'm like. I don't want to go through that. You know? right. <laughs> uh, it, it's not a conversation. It's like a, it's like a, uh, an indoctrination of, of a belief system that I'm like, I'm like, okay, you don't want to discuss this. You just want me to be a part of your group. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like, I'm not a part of your group. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, they don't even want you to be a part of their group. Mm. They want to see if you want to be a part of their group. And if you do, then, Maybe. And if you don't, then it's just high school. This is just the popular group at high school. Just like <laughs> it does feel that way. Right. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, cheers. Yes. The shores were interesting, interesting tonight. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm kind of a little bit left. Like, damn, it's like, there's more, there's kind of more to scratch on there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, always. Always. We'll pick it up. Pick it back up next week. Totally. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.